We talk about learning with your whole brain, but do you learn with your whole body? We're going to explore the idea of health and wellness as it comes to learning with our special guest, Dr. Lauren Hodges, here in the Geek Studio. It's the Geeks Pod coming up right now. Hello, everyone. Hello. Stop your head from bobbing. <laughs> <laughs> the seagulls are over. Welcome. We can't say that anymore. Now, when I did my edit for the last episode, I realized that we have said that at the very beginning of the episode. Like, I can't stop my head from bobbing probably at least 15 times now. So it's I, probably know, something I'm, we should stop. Yeah, <laughs> I, was reviewing, I was reviewing some of them the other day and I thought, you know, we say that a lot. But our heads yeah. do bob. So well, because it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Truth yeah. is true. Maybe we should have our heads Jake uh, instead of Bob. Dana, that's your one dad joke. Okay, for that's the it. No more dad jokes. No more dad jokes. No more dad jokes. Well, we do have a special guest with us in the virtual studio. Lauren Hodges, we're teasing you about being a doctor. You are a doctor, <laughs> but you don't talk about it too much. Well, you kind of do. Um, I try not to. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome, Lauren. Where where are you actually physically located today on the other side of the internet? I am physically located in Orlando uh, in the attractions area right now, but I am from Satellite Beach, Florida, directly east. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So you're in yeah. Orlando. My, my parents live in Williamsburg. Their claim to fame is that if you leave the windows open, the uh, seals at, at SeaWorld will wake you up in the morning by barking at the sun, which they do, <laughs> apparently. That's great. That's pretty close. Now, Lauren, you're in the presence of like Bob, who knows about every single fact there is to know about Walt Disney World, as well as mm. many of the attractions. I shouldn't say that. But you're probably a brother is probably king of that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. He does outrank <laughs> me in that regard. But that's really true. And, you know, we'll come back to that. But that, that's actually a really interesting point that I did want to say before we dive into our topic today is we are going to be doing our first ever live Learning Geeks podcast. So we're like one of those big podcasts where people come to a venue and pay money to hear us actually do the show live and be part of the studio audience, except for the fact that we're not getting paid. I was going to say, full disclosure, we're, there's nobody paying for us. Paying for us. <laughs> well, technically and, they are. And that's why these things so, are free, right? right? Because people get exactly what they pay for. <laughs> that's right. So as part of the uh, of Elliot Maisie's Learning 2019 conference, uh, which is in Orlando and there by the Segway, we will be doing Learning Geeks Live. And so that will be, put it on your calendars if you're coming to the conference. And if you're not coming to the conference, now you have a reason to, to do it. You can put it right in your business case. I need to go Mr. CFO because I need to see the Learning Geeks live. It will be Monday, October 28th at 3.30 p.m. I will be there live. Dana will, will be, there be there live. live. Jake, yeah. are you going to be there live, Jake? Wait, can you send me that CFO letter again? I might have to send that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to be live. I will be on. So what's the time? What time did we come up with? This is actually a new 3.30? 3.30 Eastern, Eastern time. time. So it'll be 2.30 your time. I will be there virtually, unfortunately. But <laughs> okay. yes. Are well, you guys still going to do a cutout? We'll do it. Myself? Yeah. We'll, you know, the flat Stanley thing, we'll do a flat Jake image there. So people okay, will good. think you're there. Good. Either that or we'll do All a, right. we'll get Chewbacca to fill in for you. Okay, thank you. 
Yep. So we're going to, we're going to do a podcast. We're going to talk about podcasting for learning and by doing a podcast for learning. So it'll be very, very meta and we will have some merch available. You'll get some stickers, maybe some t-shirts. Uh, you can get Dana to sign autographed pictures of himself. I don't have that <laughs> much of a following. I don't have autographed pictures of myself. Well, we might have to make that happen. You know what? But we can do let's join take us. pictures be really of Jake fun. and we'll sign our names on his face. That'll work. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. On uh, his face. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. Under his face. All right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And, and we have a couple other things that we're going to be doing at that conference too. So uh, we'll talk more about it in the next couple of shows, but mark your calendar. That's happening. Uh, meanwhile, let's go ahead and dive into it. Um, and Jake, I believe you were the pers- first person to make a connection with Lauren. So tell us that story. Yeah. So Lauren and I have met, I don't even know how many years ago now, um, probably three, four years ago. Um, we were both working on a uh, a wellness energy course together. Um, we both kind of came in from a, a learning design background or le- learning exper- experience background. And and Lauren and I have uh, really made a connection down there. And over the last couple of years, we've worked together a few times. We've always stayed connected. And I think, you know, for me specifically, I've had a passion for how do we, um, when we design our learning events, when we design our learning programs, that we can do what's best in terms of design on paper, but there's so many other factors and components that come into that. And we've talked a lot about it around durability and having the individual themselves be better learners, but there's also another component and that is the component of allowing, um, there's really kind of an energy throughout the day. And if that energy happens to dip or do a quick spike and then quickly dip back down, there's this um, the change that does happen around mental capacities, your physical energy, you know, mental energy, or all this, right? There's so much there around purpose, and I feel like we can continually do better. Um, and there's a lot of areas that I think we haven't explored yet, and that's why I think Lauren is so. Um, and again, she's not a she doesn't like to be called Doctor Lauren, but she brings so much experience <laughs> into it. So even if it's just say she's not truly a doctor, I mean, well, she is, but let's just say she's not. She still provides so much insight to this area. So Lauren, thank you for coming on. So if you want to just quickly share some of your background and including your role and how you've gotten to the the learning world and learning geekdom, I should say, we'd love <laughs> to hear it. Well, thanks for that great great intro. Um, I have, feel like I have to defend myself. I am, <laughs> I have a doctorate, but I typically don't call myself a doctor only because I work with a group of physicians and I try to defer to them on the title and allow them to have it. <laughs> they get a little whingy about that sometimes, don't they? Don't they? Yeah. No, yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. you know, um, they can have it. Yeah. Um, I go by Lauren, but, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I have kind of a weird background. I've been in the health and wellness world for about 15 years, but I did go to school to learn about how people learn and how to design effective learning experiences. And I have a doctorate from UCF in Orlando in curriculum design. And um, I kind of merged the two just in a random way. I was teaching at a university, but also working in the fitness world and just one day had a client ask me to come in and speak at their uh, hotel. It was for, it was a hotel chain here in Orlando and nationwide and just like a little lunch and learn or something on 
um, eating, I think, in the workplace, nutrition, and something just clicked. And I just, I felt like I needed to move into that space, which brought me into my experience with Johnson & Johnson's Human Performance Institute, which is actually where Jake and I met. And I was doing some work helping them renovate a course there, as Jake said, on energy management and just really fell in love with the research and science of performance and well-being. And it kind of opened up a world to me outside of the physical side of health and wellness into the emotional, spiritual, um, you know, even mental and um, how they all kind of work together to help somebody maximize their performance personally and professionally. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I have a lot of different hats I wear. I work as a facilitator. I design and deliver my own work. I do executive coaching. Currently also, though, I'm still in the curriculum design space. At the moment, I work with Thrive Global on an incredible new program they've got going on. Um, and I help them with their original flagship course, Thriving Performance, which again is how Jake and I reconnected um, when he was with Accenture. Uh, they were a key key partner for Thrive at the time. So yeah, kind of all over the place. I have a second business with a friend of mine. We work in the self-awareness and ego and performance space and do leadership development there. So always something new, always ever-changing. So around self-awareness and energy and a lot of these things that you've kind of had the experience in di- these different programs and what, again, what you said, your, your time with uh, HPI really... I guess you started to see these connections. What are you starting to see from a learning experience side that, you know, you found an opportunity that we can, I think across the board, not just in the work you do, but I think what other people can take advantage of that are in this role and profession can start to do differently as we approach that, that learning design side. Um, You know, I think it is, it's been the evolution of my work. I think my body of research, my interests, and also the way that I've designed my own personal learning experiences has been to really pour a little bit more into that self-awareness um, research and space. And the reason is I feel like when you're looking at things from a perspective of behavior change, which I'm often doing, there has to be a significant element of self-awareness built in and, and considered when you're creating that learning environment. And um, I certainly try to keep that in mind when I'm designing my own material and then also making recommendations for companies like Thrive to build their own. Um, For example, we're building a a really cool course on mental health and well-being right now in partnership with Stanford Medicine. And one of the key components of the course, and actually the first, I would say 40% of it, is just building time and um, pacing appropriately for building self-awareness around how stress shows up in our life. And probably a large chunk of the course is slowed down and focused on that one element. So I think it's just been a kind of a natural evolution for me to move into this area. And um, everything I designed from here on out really factors in a couple of things. Number one, am I focused enough on the learner's awareness of self Is the exercise appropriate? Is it actually creating that awareness? And then also, you know, this kind of goes into another subject, I guess, but am I spacing and pacing the learning experience enough so that they have a lot of moments of recovery and, um, you know, mental clutter is reduced and they have just time to breathe and stretch and let what they're learning sink in and process. So I think it's kind of a combination of all of that. 
Hey, Lauren, this is Dana. I've got a question. Um, when you think about energy management and as you're working with that, uh, it, it seems like it's a, it, there's a responsibility for the designers to design it in. But also, could you talk a little bit about the responsibility of the learner and maybe of the faculty? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I listened to your podcast this morning um, from last week, and I ordered the book, Dana Essentialism. I'm excited to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it made me think, uh, it made me think about that. There is definitely a responsibility on the learner as well to put their phone down, put their devices down in those moments between instruction and and learning um, to let things sink in. You know, it's hard as a facilitator because you're not getting anywhere if you pack in too much material into the day. If it's overpacked with information, you're also not getting anywhere if you don't give them moments of recovery. And also from a learning perspective, you're right, from the learner's perspective, I should say, uh, it's really hard to learn and take in information on an empty stomach or a poor night's sleep. So I think it all factors in and it all to me, when I'm working with a client one-on-one, like a company, I, I try to uh, try to advise them to, to build their retreats or their keynotes or their half days around those elements, healthy meals and making sure they get time to rest, making sure they get good overnight sleep, et cetera. I don't know if that answers your question, but it's definitely a consideration yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind is sometimes the faculty can give permission to do certain things that learners might not think is okay. So, for example, a faculty could say, you know what, if you feel like you need to stand up during part of the session today, go ahead and stand up. Just don't block someone else's view. But, um, you know, something uh, something like that. It seems like there's some permission that could be granted. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually in Chicago two weeks ago in uh, Skokie. And I was doing a, um, isn't that your hometown, Jake? I think it is. Somewhere around there. No, Skokie's up north, but I okay. love that name. I don't know yeah, why. Skokie <laughs> I, love, I love Skokie, yeah. but. It's not far no, from. No, I'm down in the, I'm on the <laughs> west side. Yeah, Skokie fanboy. Well, it's, it's fun to say. <laughs> but uh, I was, I was at a, uh, I was leading a full day retreat and, um, intentionally designed it to have a lot of breaks. And I did have to explain it to the CEO beforehand, like, hey, we're going to be doing about 45 minutes of work and then about 15 minutes of break on and off to create a really healthy oscillation, create that recovery. And then Dana, I did say, please uh, stand up when you need to, stretch when you need to. I actually brought stretching bands and healthy snacks just to make sure you know, people were paying attention, the blood was flowing. I mean, there's a lot of really compelling science on the physiology of the brain's ability to <laughs> stay attentive and focused when you're sitting for three hours straight. Um, it, it goes back to that saying that the mind can endure only as long as the seat can endure or something to that effect. <laughs> right, right. And this does seem like something that it would be really great the more you know, the more research we do on this, the more evidence we're able to to post, the more good stories we're able to tell to help our sponsors and, you know, like your CEO get their arms around the need to do that. Uh, you know, I found this summer in the program I designed, I designed a day off or a, not a day off, but an evening off and met a lot of resistance with that, you know, with one group kind of going rogue and deciding to program something over that time anyway. Uh, it, it's a hard habit to break, but it's one that we definitely need to. 
Yeah, and actually, it's one of the things that I've talked to this particular organization about building into their best practices at work, too. You know, when you're going to have a meeting or an all-day meeting, build in time for breaks, meditation, healthy snacks, you know, stretching, take some of it and do a walking meeting. I think it it goes a long way from a performance perspective. I think you're going to get much more committed, attentive, less stressed uh, employees when you employ those types of strategies into your workplace as well. So one of the things we, we've done a lot of work um, in the past, I know Dana and Bob, you've know this, um, but when when I think across the whole dimension and how important it is to think holistically, you know, learn to the things you're mentioning about our mental capacities, the sense of how we feel like we're belonging and part of the group, right? We have this sense of purpose. We feel physically energized. There's so much there that I think we can continually do and push. And there are opportunities. I think one thing I did kind of want to step back and think of the one of the, again, back to kind of self-awareness and how you're even spending almost 40% just on the individual and thinking about them and being more self-aware. I think there is incredible power in that, as well as to think, have them stop and think about their own purpose. Like, why are you here? Right? Like we could tell you why it's important to be here, to take this e-learning or to to, to attend this workshop, but it's up to you to really make that connection and believe in it. And also to um, be able to discover your own personal relevancy of that event, because that immediately starts to link to engagement. It tells your brain to pay attention. Um, you, you start to make that connection. And again, it, it, it energizes you when you feel like you're not here just because you're here to have a you know sit down in the seat and listen on you're really here to to learn and and you know the reason for it and so i think that is so empower, powerful and when you go out through the day and i again i think it, there's this constant energy ups and downs and these strategies I, there's so many strategies that we can do and i think the key word that you mentioned you mentioned quite a bit was recover right i can how do i recover when my energy dips, because honestly, there's the reality is everybody's energy is going to dip at some certain point of time. But it's like, how do we provide them the tools and the right methods in which we can recover? And like to your point, always having snacks available, getting up and moving. And sometimes like to uh, what you guys mentioned, like not do anything like the, the importance of breaks. Um, and I would even challenge longer breaks than our typical 10 minutes and to protect them as much as you possibly can. Um, Cause there's, there's so much research on it that just shows you how important detachment is from your current environment and what it is to come back, right? Like there's, there's a power there. So yeah, I think there's just so much we can do in this space. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's probably a cornerstone of anything that I would come in and build personally. I know that my business partner on my, my other side, on my other business, Grasshopper Training, that's the, that's the self-awareness one. Uh, my business partner is a sports psychologist and she works with some of the Olympic equestrian team. I mean, UCLA swim and she's really big into it. She's, she's got a strong background, Jake, that, uh, similar to Dr. Jim Lair of the Human Performance Institute. Mm -hmm. She was, she was, a uh, one of their primary facilitators for a long time. But I say that because she strongly believes, and I come in and kind of build learning experiences based on her research, 
that we have to build an oscillation principles. We also have to teach them kind of as a precursor to any sort of skill that we're going to teach. So for example, we have a course on ego and ego strength that we teach to executives and physicians. And it, it's really important for us first to kind of ground them in this, these principles of oscillation recovery and how the brain actually works, the science of the brain and uh, the importance of, um, you know, like you said, tying things to purpose, putting things at stake physically, again, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It's kind of interesting, like almost every learning experience we have starts out that way, if we can help it, almost the first hours, grounding in those principles and then moving from there. And mm-hmm. lots of lots of breaks, lots of breaks. Right, lots of breaks. So Lauren, I'm curious, when you're talking about self-awareness and ego and the spiritual side of learning, it feels to me, I, I project out and I start thinking about people having experiences that might kind of hit them pretty hard on an emotional level or, you know, give them a new era of self-awareness of something they never realized before and kind of rock their world emotionally. How do you help them recover emotionally? How do you take emotional breaks? Um, I think Jake hit the nail on the head. Well, first of all, it really helps to have a psychologist in the room <laughs> during those times, which, you know, Jenny, uh, Jenny Susser is my business partner. She, she's always there to help, but Really, what we do is we build in that time for just nothingness. I think that is probably the key. You know, don't hmm. take a break and, and and get on your phone when you have this kind of um, revelation that might hit you emotionally. We do a couple of kind of um, uncomfortable exercises where people b- build a little bit of external awareness. It's kind of a, I see me, but how do you see me? And um, they work with their colleagues on that. They work sometimes with their with their loved ones, and it can be it can be emotionally draining. And I think the importance is again going back to we we build this foundation with them on when when we experience a moment of external awareness. Let's say somebody gives me a key piece of feedback that I wasn't aware of that how I was coming across. What that could, it's going to kick in my stress response, right? And I'm probably going to start. Know, having an elevated heart rate and feel flushed. And emotionally, I'm probably going to feel a really strong negative emotion. So the, the key there is to allow that person the space to go and breathe and be quiet mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally and to work through those emotions, call them out for what they are, and then come back and come back to them with fresh cognitive um, performance, I guess you should say, with a fresh set of eyes and ears and heart. And so that they aren't operating and trying to process those things while in some sort of fight or flight mode. They're really coming back to it fresh and using that, you know, new part of their brain, that neocortex and not necessarily operating from that old reptile brain where they're just in fight or flight. I also think that part of it goes back to the earlier discussion that we've been having, and that is around kind of laying the groundwork for what this is about. And and if, if you continue to ground people in that bigger picture of why is it important to come to some of these realizations and the fact that the if you have these realizations these ahas it's going to help you to grow and develop and develop um, and and learn things that you might be blinded to I, I I love love the idea that grounding that uh, is so critical as you're setting up an experience like that yeah, that's a big key component to a lot of the work that the Human Performance Institute does. And the research on purpose-driven behavior and work is is really amazing. It's really amazing what 
how it impacts performance and how it impacts awareness. But yeah, I think it's important to tie it to a why. Um, when I'm working with clients individually, that is the first thing we do. What's the most important thing to you personally and professionally? And are your actions and behaviors aligned with that purpose? And if they're not, if you, you need to course correct, let's, let's build some awareness around how and why. So we might have uh, just coined a new word here, purpose-driven learning. Ooh, I like Ooh. it. All right. You heard it trade, first. Trade, that's trademark. <laughs> you heard it yeah, first somebody, on the yeah. Lear and Learning Geeks podcast, purpose-driven learning. <laughs> so Dana and I did uh, were able to attend that workshop for the Human Performance Institute. And that still emotionally was one of the um, moments that I will continually remember in that program. Um, I was at a, a point, where I think just mentally, it was just kind of that time where I just wasn't doing too well in terms of my anxiety and, and, and so forth. And it was a perfect timing, extremely perfect timing. So I remember just emotionally how, how, how much it, it mattered just to self-reflect and think. And then I do remember some of the, the times of sharing and how hard and difficult it was to actually tell our stories I know like there's uh, one moment, uh, I still remember vividly at this, it was like the, the last day where we had to tell our stories of what we would like to do again, kind of leaking back to our purpose and what we think forward. And there was a huge, I think, learning moment there where we, we got the, our facilitator asked for a couple of volunteers and um, it was uh, someone gave, went first, I went second, and then everyone ended up sharing. It was kind of like, okay, you're doing it. I'm going to do it. And I think just after that, it was just huge. Um, again, I just, I remember it so vividly and it was so impactful and it did. I still, uh, to this day, come back to that, that those moments. And I think that right there shows the impact of tying in emotion, tying in the purpose, tying in re uh, relevancy and what it can do to make sure that behavior stick. And again, it also depends on you as an individual to, to take it beyond but um, there was a huge impact there. Yeah, and I think, you know, just from a business case perspective, if you look at the work of Dr. Lair, Jim Lair, and you look at what those moments that you felt, that moment of kind of aha and um, heavy emotion around um, probably, I think it was probably writing your new story is what you're referring to. Um, yep. Yeah, and if you look at the business case for that, there is such an interesting correlation between somebody's performance at work and their ability to feel meaning and purpose in their personal life. So like, I think a lot of companies get it wrong where they, they, they focus solely on organizational mission and purpose. And although I feel like that is very important, if I don't feel like I am a purpose-driven individual um, with a clear understanding of who I am and why I am, I think it's a little bit more difficult to align then with some sort of organizational purpose. So I, I feel like it's a really interesting, he's got a lot of really compelling research there. I absolutely love what he does and I've definitely taken it to heart in building my own learning materials. So I'm looking at the clock on the wall and we got a couple more minutes. The one thing I did want to bring up, um, I thought Dana brought this up, is the, the digital detox I'm curious to have your thoughts on this and in, in a world that we have so many digital devices with us. And again, you brought this up when we take breaks, um, many people jump right back on their phone or they're constantly wondering what that notification is. I'm just curious to, to, to wonder what types of techniques and strategies have you thought about 
inside your sessions and your training programs on what we can do about digital detox? Well, I mean, for one, the most obvious probably is I ask people to put their phones away. (laughs) It's not always the easiest thing to do, but I also build in two different types of breaks. Personally, I don't know if this works for everybody, but I I build in a break where I kind of let them get answers to their emails and check their phones because, I mean, let's face it, we've all got, you know, uh, priorities and emails and and families to check in on. Um, but then I asked them also to take a, a, a digital free break in there at least twice for the day, if it's a full day and, and they can't really take anything with them. And I asked them to focus a little bit more on their breathing and their environment, maybe take a walk. Um, that's probably one of the key strategies. And then we really dive into it personally in, in our content on um, the importance of, of having time for your brain to not be hyper-focused on a screen. So, um, I mean, that's really, that's really the primary strategy is just building it into the recovery time. And then also not just saying, go take a break, but really being specific on asking them what to do during that break. And usually people are pretty compliant with that. I think they see the importance when they sit through two or three minutes of meditation during the day with me, and then they can, they can see what it feels like to quiet the brain and how that might impact their performance back at work. And then two, I, I was curious, again, using, how could we use digital to our advantage, right? Um, there's so many wearables out there. You've also talked about heart rates and using sensor data to our advantage. Have you given this any thought to how you might start to implement this, or if you've not already, of what, how we can take advantage of this as maybe facilitators or as learners ourselves? Well, I mean, if I had the CEO or, you know, whoever was in charge of putting the meeting on, if I had their approval, everybody would be wearing an Apple watch and or some sort of wearable to tell them to stand up. (laughs) But I try to I try to do it myself. If they've been sitting more than 60 minutes, I I have it in my mind already as best practice to get them up and moving. I do have one instance where I was able to get everyone to wear a wearable but we were using it actually for a different purpose. It was a monitor to put them through a stressful event to, to show them physically how their heart rate would increase. And then we took them through a guided meditation to show them how to come off of that stress response. That's going back to the what I was referring to before, uh, being able to perform at your best when you insert recovery and, and intentional breathing into your day and understand who you are under stress versus who you are at your best. So we've used devices that way before, but I would love to get everyone I came in contact with some sort of wearable. (laughs) That would be awesome. Hey, I would like it too. Yeah. (laughs) Just as a participant. Well, my watch has already yelled at me to stand Uh, up during this podcast. So, and and I didn't. Yeah, mine has too. And it's also told me to take a deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But we we also have experimented with wearables and it it is interesting. It's fascinating. And it's fascinating how... Most of the participants who are wearing them really want to see the data. They're very curious. Uh, they want to know how their how their bodies are responding to uh, to what's going on in the room. I will say that stress response activity was probably the highlight of their two and a half day retreat. It was so much fun, and they they were blown away by how high their heart rate got during this stressful event. <laughs> well, Lauren, it sounds like there's a lot more that could be explored in the space. That you've done some tremendous work here, but. Uh, I think our listeners can benefit by thinking about these things, and it would be great if we could hear uh, from them uh, through LinkedIn or through whatever channel uh, some of their ideas of how they've been applying some of these concepts. 
That would be very cool. Yeah, LinkedIn, that's the way to go. So uh, you can get in touch with us. And actually, Lauren, how can people reach you on LinkedIn or any other social media with which you would like them connect to you with? <laughs> you can find me at, at drdoctorlaurenhodges.com uh, or I'm also on LinkedIn, Lauren Hodges. You can look it up or grasshoppertraining.com is also our other business on self-awareness and ego. So you are a doctor. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lauren, it has been an absolute pleasure having you with us today. Thank you so much for being here and for everything yeah, you're sharing. You. Um, I think we've just started to scratch the surface of this whole topic. So uh, hopefully it'll generate a lot of conversation going forward and would love to have you back sometime. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. Great. Thanks. So thank you to you, Dana, Jake. Thanks for being here with me as always. And thanks to you, our listeners. We will see you on our next episode of the Learning Geeks podcast in a couple of weeks. Until then, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Whoa, that's so amazing.